Hello and welcome back to the Hoosie Podcast with me, Phil. And on this podcast, we have a very special guest from the All of Time and Space podcast, and it's a returning guest, Mark Cochran. Mark, welcome back, mate. Hello. Thank you for having me on. Hello. Hello. Now, I was just looking to see the last time we spoke on Skype. Now, I can't remember if it was for this podcast or for your podcast. I think it was um, for it was... Uh, Nerdology many moons ago. Me, it might have been. Cameron had a chat about Cameron, beasts. it was... Yes, that's right. It was 2019. Yeah. That was. Yes. Yeah. So that was, uh, well, pre-COVID. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and we also had you on All the Time and Space, didn't we? You came on to talk about uh, the Myth, myth Makers, makers right, wasn't yeah. it? Yes, indeed. Indeed. Yeah. It was uh, my, my, actually my first tele-snap viewing, I'm actually. so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it possibly wasn't there was, the best there was a reason to I... introduce you to uh, the joy no, of No, no. It was a go. bit of, um, apart from... Um, Vicky leaving, it was a bit of a dry, I found a bit of a dry story, that one. But. Yeah, I think we are very much in the minority. There seems to be a lot of love for the myth makers. But uh, yeah, I think um, maybe my ignorance of the uh, the original text has possibly uh, left me at a slight disadvantage on that one. Yeah, same here, actually, same here. But it was fun recording with you guys as well. Oh, that yeah, was, we that loved was, it, that yeah. was the that was the main thing. <laughs> that was the that's what we all do it for is have fun with it all. So, uh, so um, are you sort of looking forward to the 60th anniversary? We're, we're in the 60th anniversary year. Yes. It's, um, yes. Doesn't seem to be. I don't know. Is it is it me or does it not mean to be the same sort of excitement as there was during the 50th? I suppose 50 years is a big one, isn't it? Whereas you know, don't get me wrong. I'm sure yeah. it's going to be spectacular and wonderful. Uh, it's not quite the same ring to it, has it, the 60th? But uh, I think no, it hasn't. an exciting time. Uh, it's nice from a fan's point of view to have a little bit more in the way of little Easter eggs being dropped. Um, nothing mm. too spoilery, but just things to whet the appetite and keep your interest while we're off the air. Indeed, indeed, because we, we didn't have a lot of that under the previous regime, did we? It was it was com- almost complete radio silence. Yeah, I mean, um, I can I can see uh, the benefit. I can of understand that. why you want. Yeah, you want to keep it, you know, keep everything a bit of a secret, so yeah. it's a nice surprise. But I think at the same time, you've got to keep the keep the interest yeah. there. If you're going to be off air for a long time, mm-hmm. you've got to keep it keep keep it in the public Absolutely, eye, really, haven't you? Yeah. Which I don't think which RTD is a I think a master at, mm-hmm. isn't he? Yeah, I mean, getting yeah. Blue Peter involved, I mean, that's a, a no-brainer, isn't it? Because it's been such a, a yeah. long-standing relationship. Yeah, precisely, precisely. So it's, uh, no, it's it's um, it's good. I think the, obviously for the 50th, there were loads of those monthly events at the BFI and things like mm-hmm. that. I think if it was, uh, if you lived in London, the 50th anniversary was a good place to yeah, be. absolutely. Um, but I think if you lived outside of London, I think a lot of Doctor Who fans, if they couldn't afford the travel... yeah. Uh, missed missed out on quite a bit, mm-hmm. if I'm if I'm being honest. So, um, but I live in London, to sod you. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you guys. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. So, um, how did you get into all the time and space? Because I say the last time we spoke was nerdology. Mm. How, how did all the time and space podcast come about for you? Before we get onto the subject at hand, because so, we, we briefly mentioned your, yeah. your, your, your podcast there, didn't we? So I started out in January 2012. So. I'm a bit of an old timer now, really. I suppose by uh, mm. by all accounts, um, I was a huge fan of podcasts. A very early adopter. I'm a bit of a, a tech nerd, so uh, I was all over the podcast in the very early days. 
And uh, mm-hmm. of course, a lot of the ones I listened to were Doctor Who podcasts, including a very good one called the Who's He podcast. Oh, yeah. well, you know, it's. Uh, I think I've heard of them as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I just something just lit up in my brain one day and I just thought maybe I should get a mic and have a go. I thought, oh, I don't know. I don't know. So I got this very cheap and basic USB microphone. I thought I'll give it a try. And then once it dawned on me that I was going to have to actually do this thing, the first thing I thought was, well, no one's going to want to listen to me just waffling on on my own for however long. So I should probably try and get some guests in. So uh, I came up with a, a pop culture podcast, which someone, one of our guests described as like a therapy service for Doctor Who podcasters. So uh, <laughs> we'd have various people who I uh, very much admired from the Doctor Who podcasting world would come on and talk about things other than Doctor Who. So I think it was quite a nice mm. break for them to just have a chance to chat about something else for a change. And yes. uh, yeah, it was... And one thing that's really carried over into all of time and space is that idea of having a, uh, a continually changing roster of wonderful guests. Mm. So in terms of all of time and space, we started, as many other podcasts did, um, during the lockdown, the very initial lockdown. Uh, I got to a point where it was quite uncertain how it was all going to pan out. There was, it was pretty scary and we were all just confined to our homes. And I just, obviously it makes you evaluate what you want to do with what's left of your time. And mm, uh, the right. first thing yep. you obviously think of is I really must get round to watching all of Dr. Who in transmission order. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought I, the important things first. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Priorities. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. 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 So I thought I can't put the wife through that. She does like Dr. Who, but you know, not enough to want to sit through a, uh, a 12-part telesnap reconstruction. So uh, I thought, I'll ask my old mate Ian Martin if he'd like to do it. And hmm. he said yes. And uh, we did like a little a pilot just to sort of test the waters to see whether it would work or not. And we just kind of refined it a little bit. And then mm-hmm. uh, we started out in, I think it was the summer of 2020. So... We tend to record quite a bit in advance and then bring them out as a season because um, I'm a bit of a perfectionist when it comes to editing. Yes. So, yeah, I want yes. it to be just just right. So it gives me a bit just of right. chance yeah. to, seeing as I'm a one-man band, I'm just doing it out of me. My living room gives me a chance to sit down and edit it how I want it to be. But it's been... Yeah, likewise, actually. Yeah, I do, I do exactly the same <laughs> thing. Um, yeah, I, I sort of try and... Uh, um, so you know, some don't require a lot of editing. No. Um, some others do, but as you say, I think it's worth taking the time over. Yeah, uh, sometimes I've, I've you know, now I, I learned don't wanna... to understand the shape of the waveform of my ums and ahs, and believe me, there are a lot of them. <laughs> oh, you too, eh? Yeah. <laughs> I do. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly the wave the waveform of my ums and ahs as well. But uh, I think sometimes I have to, I, have, I just leave them in. Uh, a lot of the time, because sometimes it, it, it there's a sort of an unnatural break. I, I sort of do a num, mm-hmm. and it leads directly into the next sentence. There's no natural no, break no. point for me to edit it out. So it's uh, <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's a bit of a, an uphill battle. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been tremendous fun. We are currently 
as I speak to you now, we are just about to wrap up season five of the classic series. Uh-huh. Um, uh, there's an um. So, yes, it won't be <laughs> too long before we're cracking on with season six and we'll soon be into the colour era. One thing I must Ooh. say is as much as I really have enjoyed the black and white era and I love it, and I think it's given me a whole new appreciation, particularly for the Hartnell years. Yes. I am yes. looking forward to uh, season seven, which is bizarre because I'm not a massive Pertwee fan, but just the idea of having a season that consists of a small number of stories. Season three was amazing. And I really enjoyed the stories in that season. But blimey, yeah. by the time we got to the end of it, it really did feel like we'd climbed the summit of a huge mountain. So I'm quite looking forward <laughs> to a season that's just four stories long. Well, of course, you get to season six, you've got the war games to get through. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's like the, the last yeah. hurrah for the black and white era, isn't it? So, yeah, quite, it quite is, looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll look forward to listening to season seven because it's my favourite season ah. full stop of Doctor Who. Yeah, and it's got my my favourite stories, Inferno, in there as well. So I'm, I'm very unapologetic about my love of Pertwee. <laughs> so well, I, no I, I know perfect, I know he can, you know, he can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> Take that back. <laughs> no, he's no. I can I can see he's not for everybody because he's very uh, pompous mm-hmm. and arrogant and patronising. Uh, but no, I I just love it. I love the the, the flamboyance of the character. Yeah. Uh, all the, the gadgets and Bessie, the Venusian Aikido, it was just, yeah. All joking aside, and I'm going to go into season seven with a completely open mind. And you never know, yeah. I might be one round. Because I, like I said, I've had a, a bit of a road to Damascus with the Hartnell era, which I have a True. much, much higher True. regard for now. So you never know what might happen. Well, I should look forward to fighting <laughs> that. Yeah, give it about 10 years and we might get there eventually. Well, I'll get around yeah. the exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, never mind, Pertwee. We, you're here to talk about uh, an episode of Doctor Who that I, I said, you know, any any episode you like. Yeah, um, what was I you, thinking? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, you've come up with the God Complex. Yeah. Ah! Whoa. Oh, that was quick. We Who surrender. No, it's okay, we're not. A we chair. surrender. We're nice. She's threatening me with a chairlift. Who are you? Oh, God, we're back in reception. We surrender. I've never been threatened with a cello before. No, hang on, I tell a lie. Did you just say it's okay, we're nice? Okay, I need everyone to shut up now! Uh, Rita, be careful, yeah? Their pupils are dilated. They are surprised as we are. Besides which, if it's a trick, it'll tell us something. Oh, you're good. Oh, she's good. Amy, with regret, you're fired. What? I'm kidding. I take it from the pathological compulsion to surrender. You're from Tivoli. Yes, the most invaded planet in the galaxy. Our anthem is called Glory to, insert name here. You were the face, Howie. And you said you were surprised to be back in reception. The walls move, everything changes. You, clever one, what's he talking about? The corridors twist and stretch, rooms vanish and pop up somewhere else. It's like the hotel's alive. That's quite enough of that. Yeah, so why why pick the gods complex? Well, I haven't watched too much New Who lately, so it's quite nice to just slip back into New Who. And my comfort viewing of New Who is the Moffat era. And I thought I'd go for, I mean, the obvious ones like Vincent the Doctor are fantastic and there are lots mm-hmm. of others that you could pick out. But I figured this is, uh, I think, one of the standout, individual stories from that season i think it's uh, just a 
a fun individual standalone episode. Yeah, I must admit, I hadn't watched this particular episode, I think, since I reviewed it for Who's mm. He uh, back in the day. And I, I, I've got to be perfectly honest, I don't tend to put a lot of new Who on. No. If I, yeah, if, if, I'm, if I say I oh, fancy watching some Doctor Who, I always put some of the classic era uh-huh. on rather than um, new Who. And to be honest, when I do watch Doctor Who now, it's not usually, I say not usually for fun, it's usually for the podcast, <laughs> yeah. if you yeah, see yeah. what I mean. It's, it's still fun, but it's, it's doing for a reason. It's almost like homework rather than just popping up. It's an analytical a, a, you know, thing a, rather than sitting down and watching yeah. for pleasure as such. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, yeah, and I, I yeah, I like you. Yeah, I, I, I don't tend to um, delve back into... 2005 onwards very often mm-hmm. and and I love Capaldi I know Capaldi's era was not well liked by a lot of people mm. but he's one of my favourite doctors but I've, funnily enough I don't go back and watch it and Matt Smith I found great as well and again I don't go back and watch yeah. it um, very often if, if at all so today when I sat down to watch it before we start recording uh, this evening I found myself really rather enjoying it actually and forgetting just how good Matt Smith was he's fantastic isn't he isn't he? He really is. He really is. I, I just completely forgotten um, about the whole how he he just sold the whole old man in, in a young man's body mm-hmm. kind of thing. And and I, and I think the story's really different as well. Yeah. Although there are similarities to uh, one of the greatest stories from the classic series, which I'm sure we'll come to at some point. Okay. Okay. But uh, well, he's got he's got. It's got some creepy elements. You got, you got a. Um, I, was, I suppose we should discuss the the plot, really, mm. shouldn't we? In case anyone out there hasn't watched it, yeah. Spoiler um, alert, everyone. We're going to be uh, spoiler everybody. <laughs> yeah. So, so, um, so yeah. Basically, so the Doctor, Amy, and Rory find themselves in a um, a hotel, which I assume we're supposed to believe it's meant to be sort of like seventies, eighties. Judging it's by the decor, me definite. Uh, Vibes of the Outlook Hotel from uh, oh god, what's the um, the Stephen the King? Yeah, Shining. Yeah, the oh, Shining. Yes, yes, indeed. Yes, it is. So, yeah, so they get sort of um, no idea why they're there or anything. Um, and some other people who are sort of trapped in the the hotel, and they quickly find out that the the corridors keep changing mm-hmm. as well. It's, it's forever changing, and there's a uh, there's an alien inside as well, and all, all the uh, guests are being bumped off one by mm-hmm. one. So it's down to the doctor to try and find out what is going on and get them out of there again. So, um, and there's this Minotaur-like thing in there, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Um, which we don't get the name of, do no, we? Just, it's just no, they don't. Uh, just called the creature, yeah. and that's it. But it's feeding off people's faith as we as we yeah, get to find you out. Have all so, these, uh, yeah, hotel rooms that open up, and you go in there, and there's your deepest fear is realised which I think is quite a, a spooky idea yes indeed indeed uh, so we get a, a, a clown sitting on the bed uh, we get a PE teacher who tells somebody <laughs> you've forgotten you have to do it in <laughs> yeah. your pants which I must admit will probably be in my room of yeah. horrors actually we've all <laughs> been there haven't we oh dear Oh, God. I don't think they make kids do that anymore now, do they? Um, but it, it was the humiliation if you um, forgot your PE kit. Um, must be, it only happened at junior school for me, mm-hmm. as it's as it was then known. Um, we used to have this really you know, rank cupboard full of really grim shorts and tops that I don't think had ever been washed. 
So uh, if you were unfortunate enough to have forgotten your kit, then you ended up having to put that on, which is pretty gross. Oh, God. You had to take a hammer to them first. <laughs> <laughs> no, we had no... Oh, we, we had it tough. We had no such luxuries at my school. It was, you know, you did it in your vest and pants oh, and that was it. So, yeah, then the embarrassment. Inside or out, you had to do it in your vest and pants. Oh, dear. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so... And, we, and the world's worst... <laughs> <laughs> the world's worst gorilla as well. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I think I, I just took that as a homage to uh, some of the less than successful uh, creatures we've had in Classic Who. Yes, it was. It was. <laughs> <laughs> it still tickled me when I saw it again. I remember back in the day how unconvincing it was. I, I think that's probably um, on purpose, actually, wasn't it? But, on the flip uh, side of that, I thought yeah. the Minotaur itself was very impressive. Yeah, I remember watching... Um, this is what goes, but this proves how long ago it was a Doctor Who Confidential. Mm. Um, we used to follow uh, the episode on BBC Three, and they did a bit of a feature on, on this and how they put this together. Yeah, um, this particular creature and like for the hair on it, it was put in one by yeah, one. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? And I never forget. It's an absolutely amazing um, bit of makeup effects work. It really mm. was, and it's just using one story when you and you only really get to see it briefly, don't yeah. you? Yeah, they're fairly sparing with it. They are, um, which is a shame because I think it looks absolutely fantastic, mm. actually. It really yeah. does. But, um, yeah, yeah. so as we find out, it's not actually the thing, the, the, the fears in the room that uh, that will kill you or it's attracting the uh, the minotaur creature to, to the people there. It's actually their faith in what they think will protect yeah. them and that's what uh, brings them mm. in. So, um, so we've got that creepy, the creepy room, the guy tied up with all the, uh, the ventriloquist that dummies. Was- Really, that just put my teeth on edge the first time I watched it. I was like, oh my God, this is horrific. Uh, but yeah, it's really uh, a very memorable moment. That just takes you back when I was, a, again, go back to when I was a kid. My mum used to get like the, the I think it was the, it was either Freeman's or the Brian Mills catalogue. Oh, yeah. that was Yeah, in the, in the 70s. And I loved getting the, the winter one because it had all the toys mm-hmm. for Christmas. Yeah. And I love looking through all the, and never get any of them. Because you couldn't bloody well afford them, just but I love, just love looking. It? Just window shopping, exactly. And there was always a ventriloquist dummy. Oh God! In there for sale, mm. always. Um, I can't describe it really, but it, it was it was the same one each year. <laughs> um, and they used to occasionally pop up on television as well. If someone's doing like starting up their own vent act, yeah. they usually have one of these dummies. Oh, God. Uh, and they were they were like something of a horror show. They really were. There is something um, very unsettling about them, isn't there? There is, is, there really is. Um, (laughs) But I think what was really unsettling in, um, they were quite, I suppose you could say, quite friendly looking dummies, but they're all all identical. And when when they, the doctor and the rest of them walked in the room, they all stopped what they were doing and turned and looked at them, (laughs) which I thought, oh no, that's horrible. (laughs) (laughs) No, so, um, yeah, so it was a sort of creepy one. And I like the, the fact that the doctor wasn't really... He sort of discovered what it was fairly late in the day. Yeah. yeah. On this one. Because uh, I think a lot of the time, because you had to get through that 45 minute hmm. r- running time, a lot of the time the dots would know exactly what was going yeah. on. You know, and I thought it, it, it was. And I did this a, a, quite a few times with Matt Swift. I think I did with The Curse of the Black mm-hmm. Spot. Yeah. He, he kept getting it wrong, didn't he, yeah. all the way through? 
he kept announcing what it was. Like, oh no, I'm wrong. It's this. Then he got it wrong again. And but I never felt like yeah, the story so I, kind of dragged in any way because sometimes you get that, don't you? Where it's just you know you start you thinking, well, you know, you what, is something going to actually take the story forward? But I never really felt like that watching it again. No, me neither. Actually, I thought it was. Uh, I thought Rita was a fantastic uh, sort of character. Yeah, a sort of companion that and, never was. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's a bit like Sally Sparrow, really. It's the yeah, companion yeah. never was. But I, no, I, no, I liked her. I liked Rita. Mm. Actually, it was a shame what um, she didn't make it to the end. Yeah, I thought across the board they were, were pretty good. I think uh, David Williams was very well cast for the role he was put in. I'll, I'll just put it that way. I'm not the biggest yes. fan of David Williams. No, uh, me but, neither, actually. Uh, um, I think he inhabits the role... Some might say possibly a bit too well. I yeah, I see what you mean. <laughs> I see what you mean. Um, I, th- <laughs> I think yeah, I, I must be honest. When I first heard that he was cast in the role, mm. I was oh god no, because I, I I like you. I just think he's a I I can take him or leave him. Yeah, really. And I think a little, it's one of those people. A little bit of him goes a long way. <laughs> if, if you see what I mean, I don't mean that in a in a, in a sexy way, but. <laughs> <laughs> That's the explicit tag or, or on any this other way for that matter. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I just think he's no, he he he's he's, he's like a one trick pony. He does the campaigns, mm-hmm. doesn't he? Yeah. He he plays up to that, um, and that's pretty much yeah. it. So so when I heard he was he was cast mm-hmm. in this, I thought, oh god. Uh, but no, he does play the part very well. The sort of a, a snivelling, cowardly, yeah, it's quite a snide, mould like creature, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, mm. yeah, he's uh, yeah, and I yeah, I was really, I don't know about you, Mark, but I was really hoping when I first watched it, and I thought it doesn't happen, he, he was gonna come unstuck. Yeah, if anyone deserved to, yeah. it was gonna be him because he was quite willing to throw any anyone else under the bus. Wasn't it's a bit he? like Voyage of the Dam when you've got that millionaire guy who ends up walking away at the end, and he's completely unscathed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's good. I mean, I suppose it, it's good, really. Sort of like sometimes the bad guys, not necessarily bad guys, but mm, less people sympathetic. Who don't deserve. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, can just get away with it and walk away mm-hmm. without a scratch, really. You know, that's that's life, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately, but yeah. I mean, this this was from but, season six, wasn't it? So you had the whole yes, arc episode eleven, with, season six. Um, yeah, River Song. Although this wasn't really yes. part of that arc, although it does play a part in the. The very final Matt Smith story, doesn't it? We come back to the hotel, it does, doesn't it, to find out what was yes, in Room Eleven. Yeah, uh, which was there was it. I've forgotten what it, it was. was Amy's now crack. in Room Eleven. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the sexy tags back yeah. on again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose that mate during the sort of like the the. the the whole sort of plot of the five series five and six, mm. it makes sense really, doesn't yeah. it? For that, for that to be the what was inside there. I but remember thinking it was I all feeling was expect- a bit shoehorned in towards the end of that particular story, but looking at it again more yeah. recently, I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, I do. I, I think series six from I've got to be sort of on reflection. Series six is a bit hit and miss for me because yeah. I I found that all the the river song. Related stuff to be a, to be a bit boring to be honest. Yeah. I thought they they kind of ruin ruin the character. I think at the time, I kind of got a bit. Well, it felt a bit like it was turning into the River Song show. Uh, yeah, which 
now looking back at it with the benefit of hindsight, you know, it's just one season. And I think it's a really interesting thread to have going through, particularly when it starts with Tennant and ends with Capaldi. So, mm. I, yeah, I, I have a newfound appreciation for it. <laughs> and of course, she's lovely as well, so it doesn't hurt. Well, there is that, there is that. But yeah, I, I don't know. I just I just found myself sort of distracted when it comes to the River Song mm-hmm. thing. And I just think it, it got a bit too... Uh, that, that's one of the things I, I, I do have a... Sometimes, now and again, I have a problem with some of Stephen Moffat's scripts. Not his scripts, but he, he's, his ideas and everything. Mm-hmm. It comes a little bit too clever for its own good. And sometimes I don't think it sticks the landing. Right. A lot of the time. Okay. Um, it's always enjoyable. Don't get me wrong; it's enjoyable. Yeah. I think, yeah, okay. It, it's sort of it's like the River Song thing. He, he tried to make the. I just found he made the. For me, he made a very interesting character, mysterious character, mm-hmm. annoying. I come the end, I just got annoyed. I thought, for God's sake, please get it over with. You know, um, maybe she would have been sitting in my room as well so, in the hotel. But, you wish. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I think it's, it's a character that used sparingly, like Captain yeah. Jack as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I never really got on with Torchwood, mm, to be honest, mm. because I found, uh, again, that character used sparingly was good, yeah. but then used all the time, or was the focus, not for me, not so much. Mm-hmm. It, it became a bit a bit sort of wary, yeah, yeah. To, be fine, uh, to be fair. So, uh, yes, that's what I found a lot with this, this season. So I think with... This story, none of that really played into it. No, it's nice just to have a few standalones, uh, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So no, I, I sort of so to watch it again, I, I, so I was, I was pleasantly surprised. I'd forgotten just how good it it was. Mm. How do you feel be, about Amy fair. and Rory? Are you a fan of theirs or? Yes, I, I am actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I quite like the, the, the fact that they weren't just sort of. There were they sort of like it was like they weren't like another sort of Adric and Tegan mm-hmm. kind of thing. They they were a, a like a proper cup, and there's always that that thing that Rory always doubted whether that you know, if Amy truly loved yeah. him, and she always did. Yeah. You know that that's the thing. She always she always you know always would do. Uh, but again, that comes up in this story, doesn't yeah. it? it? It's her faith in the Doctor. Mm-hmm. You can see Rory looking dejected. Yeah. Um, in in it as well. It's another one of those uh, things it, with hindsight looking back. You know, at the time, I would find myself getting quite cross with the character of Amy because she did seem to treat Rory pretty badly. But when you see their entire story, you can see there is genuine love there. Yeah, I know because you, you had that. Um, I can't remember which story it was. Now, well, basically, she she tries to get the Doctor into bed in series yeah. five, doesn't she? And that's when you fight. Yeah, yeah. That that sort of, that was a bit. Odd that that one <laughs> really was a bit odd that particular episode, but as you say as it goes on, you see there is a genuine sort of love be- between mm. them. Uh, and and what was the uh, the second part of the Impossible Astronaut? A day of the moon. Day of the moon, yeah, because there's that bit where he's got the Amy sort of oh what's that that little tracker thing, and he can st- or, he, or he can hear her, oh, can't he? Yeah, yeah. And he yeah, do you remember? And he he thinks he's she's talking about the Doctor, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. She was talking about yeah. him. Yeah, so it was. Uh, yeah, so it's it's always been there, uh, and I just like them as a as characters. Always, always have yeah. done. Really, I think they're both great actors as well. I think there was. I think a lot of people had issues with with Karen Gillan to begin with, didn't they? I remember some people sort of will complain about her acting style, but I think that was her first proper 
acting gig, wasn't it? Um, I know she had a, a small, a very small a part. Small in, part, uh, but this was like first lead role, yeah. wasn't it, on, on, a, on a TV I, show? I must admit, I thought she was fantastic. I never knew. Yeah, I never, I never understood the. I may not have been such the, a fan of Amy's character to begin with, but I always thought she really knocked it out of the park. Yeah, same here. Actually, I, I never, never understood the uh, that sort of eye towards it. Same with um, Freeman Agumon as well. Mm-hmm. Agumon as well. Um, there, there was there's the same thing directed towards her about her acting. I thought, no, I don't, I don't get it. I suppose it's personal really. preference, isn't it? We all have it our is, isn't it? Exactly. Well, I think the problem with, with oh, unfortunately for Freeman Ragman, she had, she had to follow Billy Piper. Yeah, that's a tough um, act to follow. It is, isn't it? Uh, but I think with with Amy, okay, yeah, she was kind of following on from Catherine Tate mm. to a certain degree, uh, but it was a different Doctor, yeah, a new it companion. Felt like a complete you know, reset, didn't it when they started? It did, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Mm. So it's. Uh, but coming back to this yeah. one, um, yeah, I, I think um, it's, it's difficult to talk about this because it. it the, the other sort of series, really, because it, there's all these sort of different threads yes. running through all the time. And you've got, the again, with the, with, you saying there, the thread of Amy and Rory mm, yeah. and their relationship running through this one, uh, which is, it's always sort of bubbling under the surface yeah. all the time. Uh, but uh, no, I, I really, really do enjoy this one. And I think the, what was in Amy's room, as well, uh, which was herself basically waiting yeah. for the doctor, yeah. which I thought was incredibly sweet. Mm-hmm. And I know, and I've said this myself in the past. I don't know about you, Mark, but I always found Murray Gold's some of Murray Gold's soundtracks to be a little bit bombastic, mm-hmm. yeah, or overly bombastic now and again. But with this one, when he sort of plays, a, I don't know, it's not really, is it Amy's theme? I don't know if it's called that, sure. but it's that piece it's of music piece. when the, yeah, it is lovely, it really is. Um, so I think he, they, you, I, I think I first heard an alternate version of that in the girl who, oh, is it the girl who waited? Mm-hmm. I think, um, and I'd loved it then. I thought, what? Well, it's a fantastic piece of music, and, and it crops up again and thought, like a more full orchestral version yeah. in this story. Uh, and I, I think it's it's lovely, really. And it, when it plays into like young Amy, mm-hmm. you know, waiting for the doctor sitting on a suitcase. Yeah, it's I a, think it's that a lovely little scene's little beautifully scene. directed as well, where. It is. You see the the camera switches between the Doctor and Amy, and she kind of interchanges between being young Amy and older Amy, and it's just really mm. nicely played. It is, and also that that thing of sort of breaking her faith in the yes, Doctor. That's a bit of a callback, isn't it? it is, isn't it? Um, that's back to the Doctor and Ace again, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Curse of Fenwick. Yeah, I thought that had definitely yeah, exactly. echoes of that for me, anyway. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't mind callbacks to previous yeah. <laughs> pre- previous stories. I don't mind that. I know it's, it's um, no, it's, it's. I mean, it within the confines of the story, it makes sense. Yeah. It, as it, the doctor felt what to mm-hmm. do, and that that made sense. Really, he didn't want to lose, you know, his his best friend to the to the right. monitor. So it, it made absolute sense to do that. Uh, and of course, it is a, a not, massive homage to that great story from season seventeen, the Horns of Nymon. Yes. Now, now, there's a callback for yeah. you. That's now, a there's cut. a callback. Yeah, so you've got the... Uh, that, that is, yeah. The sort of maze-like structure with the walls that keep moving, and you've got this uh, bull-like creature stalking the, the halls. Yeah. I think they yeah, do we, mention that at the very end, although they don't... He does. He yeah. says it's a distant, a distant cousin yeah. of the nine when He actually comes out and says that, mm-hmm. doesn't he? 
But uh, yeah, I <laughs> no, I say nine one. I thought, yeah, that that as you say, deep cut, yeah, yeah. blimey. I'm glad the effects have improved since. Then. <laughs> I really like that speech as well, where the uh, the creature's dying and the doctor's translating, and you think he's talking about himself, and then you realise he's actually talking about the doctor. Oh, do you know what? I've forgotten about mm. that. I've forgotten about that bit until until today. Because that whole actually, sort that of was, uh, arc for that series is, you know, from the very first story that he's going to die, in inverted commas. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's had an extra bit of poignancy to it. Yeah, it did, didn't it? Um, and I suppose what this whole series is building up to, apart from you know, the Doctor, yeah, the Doctor dies, and it was almost like pressing a kind of a reset button for the Doctor, wasn't mm, it? Yeah. To, to be... To be Sort of more or less forgotten, yeah. Again in in the universe, yeah. So it's, uh, I suppose, what what do you reckon to to that particular plot? I know it's not resolved in in this particular story, but that particular sort of plot arc, you know, sort of like you know, for him to be a bit more low key in the universe again. I think you have to really because as much as I love the RTD era, it just got bigger and bigger and bigger, and the stakes got higher and higher and higher, and it just gets mm. to a point where you just at some stage you have to start to just kind of bring it back down again. Yeah. And I like to have yeah, that you bit have, of mystery, yeah. you know. I I have a great love and a, appreciation for David Tennant's Doctor, but I think it got to the point where the Lonely God thing was getting a bit much, and I prefer the Doctor to be this sort of bumbling idiot who just happens into these situations and uh, manages to find a way to resolve it and then disappears again. Yeah, exactly. I, I uh, also think the other thing as as well, and I think, and I think I think Paul and I have discussed this before on Who's He is the the fact you know at the beginning when RTD brought it back, there was no more Gallifrey, no more Time Lords, and that kind of, into my mind, sort of, or our minds really took, took away the whole raising Detcher for the Doctor being in the position he is anyway, mm-hmm. uh, because he was on the run. He just want, he didn't want he didn't he's life interfered with yeah. by the Time Lords, and when they did. You didn't. I mean, certainly back in the day, you didn't know much about them. Uh, and I think, and I do think, uh, the more you saw of them, the, the less impact they had. Yeah, that's and true. I suppose, yeah, uh, and I suppose, I mean, you know, you come back. We, I think we briefly mentioned, you know, the war games mm. earlier on, how powerful and mysterious they were. Yeah, and the Doctor yeah. was genuinely afraid of them, wasn't yeah. he? You know, and and I think maybe if that that was sort of, but rather than bringing back Gallifrey, then destroying it again, um, as they seem to want to do all the time. I don't know. They seem, they seem to like the idea of bringing back the time. Laws. Mm, yeah. What are we going to do? Oh, just oh, again, get, yeah. rid. get rid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's almost become like, well, like Rory really, is it? How many times can we... <laughs> Shades of Kenny well, that from South Park. Yeah. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Oh my God, they killed Gallifrey. <laughs> but um, yeah. But yeah, so I think it was, um, yeah, I think just to sort of, press the reset button on on that at the end of this particular season was, yeah, I think it, as you say, they'd have to keep up in the ante mm. all the time. Yeah, I think that's a wise yeah. idea. Personally. I think so. I think so. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so what, what else sort of stood out for you in this particular I think it has a, a, a really, what the, the stories that I like the best tend to have a, a good mixture of the sort of scarier moments, but also laced with a bit of humour as well. And I just felt like that mm-hmm. it kept that balancing act going quite well in this story, I felt anyway. Mm. 
So yeah, I think the um, I think the other other sort of little scenes as well. You, you usually get like you know uh, a scene where the the companion, in this case Amy, will sit down with, with another mm. character and sort of like, tell him it's all okay. You know, the Doctor will help, which you do get. Yeah. And she had that scene with um, with David Williams, mm-hmm. um, and she said, "Well, you know." I thought that, you know, when they're going to the room with the Weeping Angels, yeah. that was Jibis, you know, Jibis's, uh main fear. Yeah. And Amy thought it was it was her room. It turned out to be mm-hmm. his. When she's trying to make him more f- feel at ease about the, you know, I know about the Weeping yeah. Angels and, you know, the Doctor Help. And, he, and it's just that the way that he, he, the writing gets the characters to turn out, well, we haven't seen your room yeah. yet. Yeah. And it's sort it of like, it was head. really, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And there was no sort of, because usually it's sort of like, you know, the, the companion will make a friend of yeah, one yeah. of the other characters. And, and that didn't really mm. happen. As you say, that was turned on its head. And no. um, yeah, I, again, I've forgotten about that bit. And it was such a, okay, yeah, Williams did play it well. It was a snidey, yeah. Weasley character, uh, which, and to to do that to someone who's just trying to make you feel mm. better yeah, as well. Yeah. If there's any consolation, I've met the Weeping Angels. So I know how, in fact, I thought that room was for me. Joe was right. Whatever it is in here, he actually wants to kill us. Not oppress us or enslave us, kill us. Listen, the doctor's been part of my life for so long now, and he's never let me down. Even when I thought he had when I was a kid and he left me, he came back, he saved me. (laughs) And now he's gonna save you. But don't tell him I said that, because basically the smugness would be terrifying. Of course, if the weeping angels were meant for me, then your room is still out there. Somewhere. So to throw that person uh, under the bus... I know yeah, it's kind was, of childish, uh, but I quite enjoyed the uh, where they were talking about Joe's the next one to be taken, and he's like, oh, where's Joe? Oh, he's tied up at the moment. Oh, what's he doing? No, he's he's tied up. He's tied up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and actually, and also the threatening bit um, when the doctor confronts Gibbis as well. Mm, yes. Um, yeah. Well, he's, he's sort of very that that I think Matt Smith plays that really well. He's got this ability to just. I mean, he's such a lovable character, but Christ, you don't want to piss him off because he does just have that ability to just it's like flicking a switch and he's very very intimidating your civilization is one of the oldest in the galaxy now i see why cowardice isn't quaint it's sly aggressive it's how that gene of gutlessness has survived while so many others have perished but not today no one else dies today it's a way sort of like Tom Baker yeah. Yeah, could do with that. Because that. Um, on our last podcast, we covered the brain of Morbius. Oh, nice. Yeah, and there's that scene where Morbius is, you know, f- you know, fully, oh, I say fully back to his uh, full capacity. He's, you know, he's in a, a Frankenstein's, Frankenstein <laughs> monster body and, and his head's in a dome. Um, and it's that bit when the doctor's just sort of gently sort of ribbing him and, and sort of, you know, they they call him sort of like Chop Suey, Emperor of the Universe. Mm. And there's a scene where they sort of like, you know, 
He says, oh, I bet your, your, men, your mental abilities aren't quite up to up to scratch yet. And he's, oh, I think they find they are. And uh, Morbius says, oh, they are. And, he, and uh, it's the way then Tom just turns on his head mm. just goes, I doubt that, Morbius. And he's sort of slamming the desk yeah. and gets really angry. Yeah. And I know that's the kind of thing. Matt Smith did that as well in, um, oh, what was that one with the, on the, the back of the space whale? Oh, yes. Um, the Beast Below. Beast Below, thank you. Um yeah, it's when that bit he shouts that nobody human has got anything to say to me today yeah. when he finds out what they've been doing to this this poor creature. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, I thought, oh yeah, he, you're good. And in the because uh, that was his second yeah, episode, the yeah, and I thought, oh no, you're good. Which is his first one. He has that moment with River Song, and he uh, gets quite upset. And you certainly yeah. know it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I, th- I think he's uh, one of the. It's it's funny actually when you when you sort of look back to the stories like this and and so on you 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 sort of then realise just what a good actor we had in the role absolutely at the time and and I go th- I say the same for Karen Gill and Arthur Darville as mm-hmm. well for that matter because I think the three of them just worked they I really think they did made work such a great little team I really love Jenna Coleman yeah. as well uh, I think. To my mind, she works better with Peter Capaldi, but I think the yeah those three together are just they're magic, aren't they? They are magic, absolute magic. And I think when I went to the first Doctor Who convention in Cardiff, um, and that's when they just actually that that was the day they announced um, Jenna Coleman as Clara, oh, right? Actually, so um, and but anyway, they had. Stephen Moffat, Arthur Darville, Karen Gillan, Matt Smith on stage. Mm. And it was so obvious to see they all got on extremely well, yeah. all good, really good mates and everything. And, and I think that that day, actually, that was that the, at this convention, it was the premiere of the trailer for season seven, part two, uh, or right, part yeah. B, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. Yeah, so, um, and I think that when we went walking around Cardiff, like when it was all over, mm. Where they had the TARDIS set up, I think it was in the Millennium Centre somewhere. Uh, it was on one of the upper levels. Yeah. I think Jenna Cole was there that day. Nice. Because it was exactly where that was exactly where the photograph was taken. Oh, ah, wow. Yeah. So I think it was all happening that day mm. as well. And then, and then on the train home, um, <laughs> we got, um, there was David, oh, I've forgotten his, David Mitchell. Oh, wow. Really? Was on our trainer, and he was in car because he was doing the voice work for Dinosaurs on a uh, Spaceship. Of course, yeah, yeah. So it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was a real. That sounds like a pretty good, good weekend. Day out. That it was, it was a good, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a good weekend. That. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, and I, I, I think I've forgotten that today. Watching this just sort of kind of reminded me just how popular Doctor Who was mm. back then. It's kind of tailed off a bit now, but at that time it was it was insanely popular. Yeah, yeah, it's great. You know, every, yeah, everyone was talking about, it, and I think it's in no small part down to um, down to Matt Smith. Mm. Yeah, really. Yeah, so I think he really sort of captured everyone's imagination with the bow tie and the tweed jacket uh-huh. and and everything. And well, there was one it was thing. Just, it was just oh, sorry, carry on. No, no, go on. Carry I was going to say um, there was one thing I wanted to ask you before we wrap up chatting about this mm. when the doctor drops amy and rory off at their new house yes. with their new car uh, would you have been happy with that being their real final story rather than what we got 
will you be happy with a happy ending or would you rather still prefer to have that dramatic Do you know what's funny I was got I was going to ask you the same question <laughs> actually <laughs> um do you know what I would have been I would have been happy with yeah. that uh, to be fair I think you know the doctor just saying that's not the last you've seen of me mm. I know I'll be back mm. and he always says that yeah you know and I think we're in a good place to to leave the pair of them really I I I think it's sometimes Sometimes it's nice just to give the companions a happy ending. Yeah. Not everything has to be dramatic and affect the universe, or you know, and or have their, you know, like what happened to Rose trapped yeah. in a parallel universe, so or it could have been like a, to Donna, an equivalent you know. to the chase, where Barbara and Ian finally yes. make it back and yeah. they go off happily ever after. Exactly. I mean, the, I mean, the Doctor gifted them a house and Rory's dream yeah. car, and you know. Um, I mean, to be honest, that would be my happy ending, Mark. If someone left me an E-type Jag and a house, I'd be perfectly happy. <laughs> but again, he comes, actually, I did like the bit at the end when he said, it's my favourite car. How did, you know, how did you know that? And you told me, you showed me a picture of that's my favourite car. You know, so. <laughs> I love how he goes, uh, well, of course, Amy's going to say we can't possibly accept this, uh, but I just tell you now, we really can. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Who wouldn't? Yeah, Who exactly. wouldn't? But uh, yeah, but no, I think I think it was um, it was a good place to leave them because the doctor says I he he didn't want to see them hurt, did no. he? he? Wanted to keep them safe, and and even Amy at the said at the end says he saved us, yeah. and I think you're right. It was a good place to to leave it, and mm. of course, well, we all know what happens. Yes. You know, he, he doesn't save them, does he? So um, it's it's such a shame mm-hmm. that they decide to sort of bring them back because then we had this weird season that followed which was basically like two completely different seasons yeah. wasn't it yeah it's yes uh i suppose at the time it was just he kind of went along with it but looking back at it now it does seem a bit odd i think that whole season odd. seven moffat was really up against it because he had the whole you can imagine having the 50th anniversary the weight of that on your shoulders yeah. and knowing that you don't actually have anyone on for that apart from Jenna Coleman when you're trying to write it and then people say they might do it and then they can't do it. And, uh, so I, you can imagine that, how Yeah, exactly. It's, it's pretty them. amazing. Yeah, it's amazing to believe, actually, when your lead actor has actually got a contract. Yeah. yeah. You know, going into that, that particular anniversary, you, you would have thought they would have, you know, got that nailed down pretty, <laughs> pretty damn cool. One of the first things to do yeah. is to nail that contract down, you know, but... Uh, yeah, that's that's really really bizarre. But I suppose that that showbiz, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Really. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm glad you 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 picked this one, Mark, because I um obviously I, I watched this. I could have got the DVD out or the Blu-ray out, sorry. But I I, I decided to watch this on um on the iPlayer, oh, yeah. and of course I saw in advance, and I could which I completely forgotten about. The next one is Closing Time, <laughs> which is one of my most um disliked episodes of Doctor Who. Oh, <laughs> Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Yeah, that that it, it which which had a returning character which had no business returning. But that that's a, I mean that's an, <laughs> another podcast for another day. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Well, Mark, I've really enjoyed chatting to you about this. Actually, I know we we sort of meandered all over the place with it, but um, but I thought that that makes for an interesting conversation. Yeah, that is my uh, mo. Doing, unfortunately, doing that yeah, I'm a bit of a meanderer. 
Oh well, that's what's wrong with that. What's wrong with that? I mean, that's the well. I, mean, I think that's the thing because actually, I forgot this season was also split in two. It as was just six A and six yeah. B. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's um, yeah, all these sort of different plot threads from starting with series five mm-hmm. and carrying over into this one, and you had the whole River Song thing, which was back to David Tennant, and yeah, it's uh, so yeah, it, I think it's difficult to talk about. Sort of some of Matt Smith's stories without yeah. referencing what's gone on before mm. and possibly after <laughs> as well, for that matter. Yeah. So, uh, so Mark, thank you so much for uh, for joining me well, for, uh, for this me episode. On. It's been a pleasure. No, it's an absolute pleasure, mate. Won't uh, hope it won't be so long next time. Yeah. But before we before we go, where can everybody find um, your wonderful podcast? Okay, well, uh, our show is called All of Time and Space, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. All the usual places, really. And my friend Ian and I are watching all of Doctor Who in broadcast order, starting with An Unearthly Child. And we're, as I said before, we're currently just finishing up season five as we record right now. We have a wonderful selection of guests who come on to join us, including your good self. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's an, an awful you. lot of fun. Our next one to go out uh, as we speak is going to be the Abominable Snowmen, and we have got the wonderful Nicholas Pegg back for that one. Ah, marvellous. Not to be missed. Marvellous. It's a good one. Excellent, excellent. And uh, of those you haven't listened to, us, please do, because it, it's a really good podcast. It's an excellent list. I'm not just saying because I've guested <laughs> on it. Um, but no, it, it really is a good podcast. And each guest gets uh, the mind probe treatment as well, yeah. which I've been subjected to the mind <laughs> probe, haven't I? Yes. <laughs> And we all have to try and say it as Paul Jericho says it as well. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we've had some very unusual interpretations. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a lot of fun, mate. It's a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to the next episode. Lovely. really am. So, uh, so there we are then, folks. So um, that's it for Who Sees. So I think when we're next back, it'll be Paul and I doing a, uh, a big finished story. And we're either going to do a, a ninth or a tenth Doctor one. So we haven't done one of those for quite some time. So that we, we've sort of uh, half selected um, that as our, as our topic. Mm. But we'll, we'll give you more info when when the nearer to the time. So uh, so until then, thanks very much, Mark. So Thank you. it's goodbye from me, Phil. That's goodbye from me, Mark. Goodbye. Ta-ta. Thanks for listening. You can download this podcast from iTunes, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, and through your podcatcher of choice. If you would care to leave us some feedback on iTunes, that would be very much appreciated. You can also find us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast, on the Who's He Podcast Facebook group, and through our website, who's hyphen he hyphen podcast.co.uk.